Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport, it's Series 14, Episode 35, Midweek Motorsport which is Midday Motorsport where I am a little after noon here at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, uh, back to our routes really here as we're back on the start finish line for the IMSA WeatherTech meeting this weekend and our IMSA broadcast booth uh, one floor up from ground level actually a couple of floors up from ground level, but almost level with the pit lane and the front straight as they go past us underneath the crossover bridge here. And we'll be broadcasting Friday, Saturday and Sunday on IMSA Radio RS2, of course. A beautiful California day. Temperatures in uh, the mid to high 20 degrees Celsius and very pleasant indeed with a little breeze coming in off the sea. Bit of fog this morning, but in this early afternoon, if I look off to my right-hand side and stick my head out the window a little bit, I can see the preparations going on for this weekend as the uh, trailers are, are coming in, the transporters are starting to come in now to the uh, main paddock area. Uh, it's a packed programme tonight. Up in London is Tim Gray. Good evening, as it is to you, Tim. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? We have a packed programme tonight. Uh, all the usual Excellent. features. Uh, yeah. I've even just had a uh, pointless press release of the week submission from Jeremy Shaw, but it doesn't appear to have any connection with motorsport, apart from the fact that Jeremy oh, sent it, so we, we probably won't do that. Uh, Nick Damon will be here, Declan Brennan will had be here. a few here. People, people asking about saying it's been a while since we've had a game show. Don't preempt things. Uh, okay. Kerry Cobb will be here uh, in the second hour yep. of the show, uh, and Excellent. we have a brand new game show. Excellent. Uh, excellent. Before which, you play the... Ch- oh, go on. Which Declan will be playing? Oh, excellent. Yes. He's, uh, our, well, he's one of our contestants tonight. Uh, our other contestant tonight will be John. Really? Yeah. John who? Uh, you. All right. John who, you. Uh, Dead Squirrel has tweeted... Obviously, today is a very special day, September the 11th, because it's the day we say happy birthday to Thomas Enger. And to Antonio Pizzonia, and to Gerhard Berger's nephew, Lucas Auer. And to Johnny Palmer. Oh, and Johnny Palmer as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. At Specutainment, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Dead Squirrel says, we'll be listening whilst packing, ready for the trip to San Francisco tomorrow. Seven days marshalling in a 12-day holiday with a little wheel watching in Yosemite in between. Sounds fantastic. Very good, very good. Hello to Carol Brink. We've got your sunshine, Carol. We'll send some down to the coastline for you. Yoda's uncle spotted a new booth location here. 
Uh, yeah, well, as I say, we used to be here in the past. We've been both sides of the start-finish line in the ALMS and IMSA days, uh, up between turns four and five in the last few years. But now that the TV compounds moved to the outside of turn one, um, we can't be down there. So we've come back to our roots. Hello to Kevin Payne. To Christopher Matthews, who's looking forward to hearing Midweek Motorsport Season 14 episode Nissan GTR 35 uh, whilst getting the laundry done. And he says, by the way, I'll have my GTR in Bayside Blue or Millennium Jade. I don't think it's either or. You could have one of each, couldn't you? I suppose so. Uh, on the beach, actually in a beach bar in Sifnos Cyclades. I'll catch the podcast, says Gufflemont. Uh, the crotch belt's tuned in. Oliver Gillet, Olivier Gillet, Oliver Giles. Good evening. Ready. And he says, are the new NSX GTR and Supra for Super GT in 2020 the finest looking GT cars around today? They are pretty horny. I have to say that. Uh, Tron Valentine is in tonight before heading to Sebring this weekend for the F4 US Championship Racing. EFA is tonight for Sean Randall. Uh, he is looking forward to the podcast and the weekend of Donington British GT finale. Uh, RTL, right turn lover, is here listening. And Alexander Orkin says, no AFAs, a lovely salmon supper, a glass or two of Chardonnay, and welcome back to the past, Chris. Ah, uh, yes. That's because Chris is back from his travels, I presume, yes. Breakfast this morning in Delhi, lunch on the plane, and midweek motorsport for dinner. Now that is a day. Hello, and welcome along. For those of you just joining us, I'm in California, where the weather is lovely. Tim's up in London, Hello. where the weather, I'm sure, is just as fine. And he has this jingle to play while he shuffles his papers and gives us the top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. I, uh, and what we got as our top story tonight, then? I don't know what the weather's like, because uh, the blind is closed, so I can't see out the window at oh. the moment. Right. Um, I could okay. turn to this side. and No, it's too dark to see out that one. Uh, no. Uh, is we're it dark already? It's ten past eight, yes. Okay. Still light here. Uh, I'd expect so at lunchtime. Time zones, weird things, aren't they? Uh, I'd expect you, Tim, and if you want to get in touch with us, what's your top story tonight, Tim? Uh, our top story tonight is Formula One. Which means we need our Formula One correspondent, and he should be seeing right about now. Yeah. Hooray! Oh, too loud. Too loud. Yeah. Turn him down. Tim, no, he was through my desk tonight. Perfect. I've no level. idea if I'm faded up when you just come blind to me. So I can see John moving the buttons when I'm, in the, when I'm next to him. Yes, when you're not next to me, you can't see me pressing buttons. If you give me a countdown on on, a, on Skype, I'd know, I could take a deep breath. Yes. Uh, Formula One had the Italian Grand Prix at Monza, one of my yes. favourite circuits. I say that, do I really like Monza? It's one that I've been to a lot. Is yes, it really well, a favourite? It's, well, uh, what, 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 I have a number of things to say about this weekend. Um, but Good. what is We've the top story? To you, what is the top story you particularly wanted to cover? Oh, so many things. Um, should we start with Alfa Romeo? Oh, uh, randomly, yes. Go for it. So, uh, <laughs> Kimmy, had, it's Tim Nick. Kimmy what did had you a little expect? crash on Friday. Yes, mm. and one, and and sorry, my preemptive he had one on Saturday as well. Yes, he did have one on Saturday. In as virtually well. the same place. In the same place. 
and just fell off the parabolic. Uh, ah! Yes. And uh, what what effect did that have on uh, his car? Well, he broke the gearbox, so he had to replace the gearbox and take a five-pace penalty, but they always wanted to fiddle with the car setup, so he had to start from the pit lane. Uh, but he crashed in, in uh, part three of qualifying, so he'd already got through part two. But the team didn't read the rule book properly, so they decided to I fit... I was just going to say, Nick, medium there's tire. another... Here's another, here's another ridiculous situation where, at the very highest level of the sport, the teams don't know the rules and regulations. But it's actually worse than that, John, because they've got permanent email connection with the stewards. They, all they had to do was fire off an email at 11.30 in the morning and, and go, ask. what we allowed to start on? And it would have been really solved very easily. Yeah, so they decided to start on mediums because at the back of the grid. But they should, of course, having got through to Q3, Three have started on the tyres that they set a fastest time in Q2, which were the softs, and were sitting in the garage, being lightly cold, I assume. Um, so they went off for a few laps, and then, of course, suddenly someone noticed it, it, that they'd done the wrong thing, and Kimmy got pulled in for was it a drive through or a stop and go? I can't remember. Um, uh, was a stop, stop and go. hold. Stop and go. Stop yeah, and hold. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so that was a very serious thing to do to have the wrong tyres on the car, apparently. Uh, but yes, it is. It's obviously nothing to do with Kimmy, and everything to do with um, a basic. Um, uh, lack of reading or even asking what the rules are. What about his teammate? Antonio Giovanazzi. Where did he qualify? Uh, ooh, um, was he 11th? He was 9th. 9th, ah. He was the first Italian to qualify in the top 10 at, at, at an Italian Grand Prix for 10 years. Giano truly proud of that. No, Vettantonio Liuzzi. Blimey, OK. I've been in this for far too long, haven't I? Yeah. Is Giano Trulli um, still around yeah, in 2009? I think he could. Yeah, well, that, I don't know, actually, because that was, that, was, that was the year that uh, Toyota pulled out, wasn't it? So probably that mean maybe the first year wasn't around uh, in 2009. Um, sitting there in 2008, holding everyone up after we were qualifying. Um, yeah, so they, they met, and, and, and Giovinazzi finished ninth as well, didn't he? And got a couple of he points. Did, yes. Uh, so, and uh, no points for Kimi. No, because he had to go round again and, and wait and round again and wait, and that was it, really. Uh, what happened in qualifying part three other than Kimmy's crash? <laughs> um, well, I think you nothing, had the... Nothing happened at all. <laughs> the world's worst game of after you clawed, wasn't it, really? Um, they, yeah, so basically what happened was with the new... Whilst it's always been quite nice to get a slipstream, as it's 1970 or before at uh, Monza, um, the fact was that with the new... Um, aerodynamic regulations this year especially the higher and bigger rear wings it's even more important to get a nice drag down the straight anything up to half a second which is a large amount in qualifying and um <coughs> apologies and uh, so everyone was, was but, but everyone, basically everyone wanted to go out so 10 cars wanted to get out but no one wanted to be first because the person the first is just punching a hole for the other nine and various teams wanted to be in a certain order so to, to teammate a could pull teammate b around um and what happened was eventually they just kept running the clock down so they had no seconds really left to get out and do a lap. So finally someone blinked, which was uh, Nico Hulkenberg. He went out. All the other cars streamed out straight away. Uh, and then Hulkenberg thought, thought, I'll be really clever and I'll pretend to miss the first chicane. So he had to go through the flick, flack, flick, flack, flick, which would have put him probably fourth or fifth in the queue rather than first but of course the people saw him being having making a terrible error <laughs> uh with lance stroll and carlos Sons, and they went hey we are not going to overtake we'll just break and we'll just stop so the whole thing came to a grinding halt 
on the exit of uh, the first chicane. And then they all trottled around, all trying not to be first, going slower and slower, with various engineers going, you've got five seconds in hand, two seconds in hand, oh, God. Until finally one engineer said to... The engine said, Carlos Sainz, if you don't go now, you're going to miss it. So he went, and he got it. And then... uh, Yeah, that was because he jumped in front... He jumped in front of... Stroll um, and Hulkenberg, yeah. It was... was, Well, the Ferraris sort of fought their way at the front, and there was a lot of hand-waving around going on. And then they stopped, which I I didn't understand. Well, what happened was... really bizarre. Vettel could have... um, uh, gone away and, and, and done his own thing. But he, he'd been the dragger in the previous... Um, he'd been a dragger in the previous... He, he needed to be the draggy, so it was he his turn to be the draggy. RuPaul's F1 drag race. Um, so he needed mm. to be draggy. And, and um, in fairness, Charlie Leclerc, in the first of many look-at-me-I'm-getting-all-aggressive-and-nasty I'm moments of the weekend, decided to well and truly effectively shaft his teammate by not getting enough of a movement on to ever look like he was going to be in the lead and I would think was terribly, terribly upset when no one got a time and he stayed on pole. So Mr. No, no more Mr. Nice Guy either ever was. When he's a racing driver, not that nice either. Um, and the net effect was that everyone barring Carlos Sainz uh, missed a chance to go faster. And Carlos Sainz didn't go actually improve his time. And they all trottled back round no, again. No, he improved and... his time, but not his position, actually. Yes, that was it, yeah. yeah. Leclerc also uh, had the opportunity, but then slowed down. Well, I mean, there was, a, there was a quite ridiculous thing. I, I, I've got, I have a number of issues, which are a bit parochial. Well, we know that, Nick. But, so, but stick, so stick, with the, stick with the Grand Prix. With the, I have so many issues with the Sky commentary this weekend, and they were going, they, they, then they tried to make out that it was going to be really exciting because Carlos Sainz was going to have a chance at pole. No, he wasn't. Exactly, the car that is. Two seconds off the pace is suddenly going to overtake a Ferrari that's perhaps dropped two tenths of what his best time could be. I said, don't treat us like idiots to make up fake excitement, you know. And and oh, he's, he's, he's still he's lost half a second in the first set. He goes, no, he oh, stop it, you silly people. Anyway, that's the start of my disappointment and annoyance with Sky this weekend. Um, so yes, yeah, so at the end of the day, we ended up with uh, with Charlie Leclerc on pole and Lewis Hamilton in second, which he was quite pleased about, even though he pretended to be upset uh, and. Uh, Valtteri Bottas in third, and a very, very unhappy Sebastian Vettel thought he'd be let down and a bit shafted by his teammate in fourth. And obviously and something similar had happened in oh, Formula sorry. 3 qualifying on uh, on the Friday, and uh, a whole load of them were fined and sent to the back. Uh, so was the same yeah. uh, punishment uh, dealt out by the F1 stewards? No, not at all. No, they Nothing gave three. Happened. Nothing happened at all. Three of them got a slap on the wrist. I think yes. it was Hulkenberg, Stroll, and Sainz. I know it's Hulkenberg, Stroll. I think the third was Sainz. They got a slap on the wrist, literally, and told, don't do it again. Uh, you're very naughty boys. Um, you're not the Messiah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was it was farcical. It won't happen again um, because we're going back to track. There was a lot of... to be a long way behind people rather than right up behind them. There was a lot of nonsense in practising qualifying, including it. Um, F3 car airborne, which was ridiculous, particularly given what happened last weekend at Spa. I, I just think the whole meeting didn't cover itself in glory. Oh. And, and, on, and, on a, and on a broader point about the TV coverage, I'm not sure who was doing production this weekend, Nick, but whoever was cutting the cameras looked like they'd never seen a motor race before in their lives. We it never, was terrible. We never saw... It was terrible. It missed. There was all sorts of stuff that was missed uh, at various times, and particularly through the race. We still never saw how Vettel got back in front of the the Renault 
because he, he was in between the two Renaults after the start. Never saw it. Nobody even mentioned it because the guys never saw it on commentary, so they hadn't mentioned it. They hadn't even noticed that he got back into um, into fourth position. I mean, it was it was. I don't know what was going on, but they were cutting away at odd places. It was, I found it really difficult to follow at times at the weekend. I really did. Well, I mean, they they committed the cardinal sin for the second time of. Uh, they did exactly the same thing in um, Silverstone, where they decided to cut to a crowd reaction before the actual action on the track had finished. Um, they did it when Bottas and Hamilton were fighting in Silverstone. They did it again when we were only just saw that we were halfway through the the issue with Vettel when he spun. Let's crowd. Let's, I don't know why they had this obsession with crowd shots. The, um, the only thing I would say about that is um, the man who's head of, of TV production or TV direction within um, FOM is a guy called Dean Locke, and he's a Facebook friend of mine. And I noticed last week he posted a picture of himself on a holiday with his kids. So ah. just say, don't know. Um, oh. it, <laughs> I did think we well, went holiday. It's a race this weekend, but I suppose everyone has to have a holiday at some point. Um, Formula One had a three-week summer just, break just uh, exactly. two weeks ago. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think Fob necessarily break during that period. There's a they're, they're doing some work. anyway. The, the television production was absolutely appalling. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't. I, I do not. I've never understood this idea of cutaways. How many people want to see more shots of people looking at screens in the? Yeah, my choice. I can look at a picture of people looking at screens in the garage, or I can look at a racing car. I'll take the racing car. I can look at a racing car in the middle of an accident, or I can look at a crowd shot. I'll take the racing car. I can I can see a well-known uh, celebrity looking a bit dumb somewhere. I'll take the racing car. I've no idea who these people think they're broadcasting for. They seem to be under the impression that they are in some way you know, producing a, a magnus opus to, to, to the likes of which you know, Orson Welles be pressed. You're doing a sports broadcast. Show the blooming sport. Let's talk about the Fettel and... Uh... Uh, a stroll incident, shall we, Nick? What your, what's uh, your take on that? Well, it's just another one. It's, it's another brick in the wall or another brick knocked out of the wall. Um, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's, um, it, it, I think John and I have said this about seven times now in the past year or less than a year you know you just can't keep happening the the spin itself was pretty ridiculous because it was a no, a no pressure spin and then you know he just drove himself into the path of oncoming traffic where he was likely to get t-boned he was lucky it was as minor as it was because he was half um uh avoided by stroll then still managed to get stroll but you know it, it was absolutely ridiculous on two levels stupidity of the ultimate 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 thing um uh, of, of, of dumbness yeah and, and obviously then strolled at the same thing thought of but not quite as bad as the Pierre Gassi so it was a comedy of errors they both got the correct punishment which was the maximum punishment possible for Fettel and a slightly less one but still a punishment for Stroll but really Fettel needs to uh, to sort himself out doesn't he John I I think he's a man on the brink of retirement I've, I said it in the uh, in the preview at the start of the year and I, I go by it I think he will make the year now at least um, there was times when I didn't think he would, but I think he will make the year. I've got no clue what he's going to do next year, but I can't imagine uh, he's going to want to continue with what he's doing uh, at the moment. He's very much second best to the new generation, to young Leclerc, tis he. And <laughs> he he's making sort of the right noises, but not 
quite. His body language is not great. If you look at his micro expressions, not great. Um, and I, I can't see him. I can't see him want to stay with Ferrari. I think he's done his time there. Uh, if there's something else that comes up that maybe gives them a chance of another championship, then maybe he does one more year. But I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, it could be his time. It could be his time to knock it on the head. Um, he won't want to leave with um, not such a great championship season behind him. But I think, you know, he, uh, uh, one thing about Vettel is I think he's relatively pragmatic. Um, he... He he has enjoyed his racing. He does enjoy driving cars, but he's intensely competitive, Nick. And what he doesn't want to do is play second fiddle to anybody. Even when he comes to to race the champions, he makes sure he bends the rules and changes things so he has a an advantage over everybody else. He 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 wants to win every time he gets in a car, and that doesn't doesn't matter whether he's arrive and drive go kart or in one of those rock buggies, or whether he's driving in Formula One. He 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 wants to win, and he'll try every trick in the book to make that happen. And, you know, I, I don't think he's enjoying himself at the moment. It's, a, it's as simple as that. By the way, I'm totally with you about reaction shots. Reaction shots at Le Mans when the leading Toyota grinds to a halt with one lap to go and you need to see the Toyota garage weeping and Ida Shornak weeping. Yes, yes, that's appropriate use of, of reaction shot. Not any other time. Excellent. Yeah, I think I'm just on the, on the Sebastian Vettel thing, I think, you know, it's... it's it, He's he would have to have some sort of blind faith that next year's car is not only going to be better, but also better suited yeah. against the young man who's on a massive meteoric upstroke and has got the and has now got the team behind him. It, it doesn't seem like any fun. And it's a kind of, like, you know, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't like the publicity very much. You kind of think unless he can get a role with a new team. And don't forget, last time he had this pressure, he, he, he changed teams in 14. It just doesn't seem any fun to him, and, and you just think, well, why would you? Why would you do that to yourself when you are under negative scrutiny the whole time? And people Correct. are basically saying you lucked into all your championships. You're rubbish. He wasn't rubbish. He didn't luck into them. Yes, he made the most of what he had, which is the whole point about being a world champion. But yep. he is destroying everyone's feelings about him, and it just—I it, it, think it's just. I mean, I just every time it happens, you're going, this can't be happening again. He was master of the blown diffuser, wasn't he? Chris Mattias says the scream of hooray from Nick was so loud it was like a top fuel dragster doing a burnout <laughs> at Maple Grove, uh, right outside my apartment, rather than ten years away, uh, ten was, miles uh, away. Speaking of, at least it was topical. <laughs> yes, no NHRA racing there uh, this weekend. Hello, Sarah Rigby. Looking forward to Donington, of course, this weekend. Austin Hilliard Racing is in the Motor City for an EV trade show. Catching the podcast. Uh, looking forward to IMSA's, the IMSA discussion. Oh, hang on, I've lost a bit of paper there. Uh, Oliver Giles saying, never thought it was possible for qualifying in Moto3 to be made to look civilised until everyone at the weekend. Yes, very good. Uh, crowd reaction shot, says Daniel, barely acceptable for replays. Cutting away from events on track should be a sackable offence for any director. I'm with, uh, uh, I'm with uh, RC Racing on the Sky Sports F1 comes but shouting excitedly Lewis has got DRS he can catch him we'd already seen him multiple times the Mercs couldn't catch the Ferrari but they still went OTT trying to create fake joy uh, we don't want to see anything Mr Director other than the cars we're here to see mm. and we don't care if you have Mr. even if you have Mr Le Mans in the studio oh yes uh, yes 
That's a good point. That's speaking about Le Mans. Alex Orton says, considering we're seeing similar racing issues and incidents week after week with inconsistent stewards stewarding decisions, surely someone in such a huge multi-million dollar F1 in- industry should be doing lessons learned analysis so they can fix the problems. Crowd and garage shots are the worst at LA Filipponi, especially when the cars haven't made the apex yet. Yes, exactly. F1 aren't the only offenders. WEC do it on a number of occasions. Well, don't take me back to the WEC. I tried to watch that again during the week, and that still that new graphics package still makes me ill. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 14, Episode 35. Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, is with us. Uh, here's, he's right in the middle of the carbon fibre triangle, and you can't get much closer to Milton Keynes than that. Tim Gray is up in London, and uh, I'm John Hindoff. I'm in the IMSA broadcast booth at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Tim Gray is our executive producer. What will you have us talk about next? Sebastian Vettel. Oh, OK. Have <laughs> <laughs> we just done that? You didn't do it completely. What did uh, Vettel do on the final lap of the uh, Grand Prix? I have absolutely no idea. He overtakes someone. Yes. Who? I don't know. George uh, Russell. Oh, George Russell. Okay. Yes. I, it, it, yes. And that was significant. Why? Just because of Williams is the team is, is so struggling awful. to overtake <laughs> a uh, Williams. Yeah, Ferrari struggling to overtake Williams or Shocker. Vettel. Well, then you have two minutes of penalties. <laughs> yes. Mm. Are we going to talk about the um, the uh, stewards now? If you want to. Oh, I think I do. Um, does anybody here think that if that had been the, uh, oh, let's think of a nice neutral race, the Japanese Grand Prix, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Leclerc would have got away with that without penalties? No. Nope. The whole event from the FIA to Sky's broadcasting was the most awful example of biased broadcasting, reporting, um, stewarding, officialing, I have seen. And I don't care that who won and who didn't win. I'm very pleased, Charles. I think he's a lovely bloke, and, he, and we've given him his nickname, so that's great. great. But honestly, the consistency in the stewarding wasn't there. Michael Massey, if we talk about it, said, right, I've given you a yellow card for forcing Lewis off track. Absolutely slam dunk, five-second penalty. That's how much more dangerous can you be? So you've given him a yellow card. So then when he cuts the chicane and weaves in the braking zone, surely he gets a second yellow card for one of those two things, which is a red card, which is a five-second ban. You know, and to be honest, actually, if he did get a five-second ban, with the way that Lewis' tyres were going off, he probably could have got a five-second lead, to be honest. But you sit there and you go, "What? this is not changing the concept of letting them race. It's blooming dangerous. And we've just had a, a, a racing fatality last week. It's not being hard. It's not getting elbows off. Forcing a racing car at 150 miles now off the track is dangerous. It's not elbows Before they out. even got to the turning point. He is it lucky. Before they I'm... got to the turning point. And he's lucky because obviously at that point, um, Lewis can go straight on. So it's a, you know, it's, but you know, you can't start saying that's acceptable because it's not. Jumping the chicane, fair enough, and then weaving in the straight. That's not being acceptable before. You can't, and if you do three unacceptable things, you can't get three yellow cards, as Graham Pohl found out many years ago in a, in a World Cup and never refereed for, for FIFA again. It's ridiculous. And then you have this Nick. whole thing. Sorry, come. I must breathe. I apologise. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I, I, you're very popular with the ladies, Nick. Um, <laughs> he, it, 
the the whole point about that move outside, it was a speculative move from Lewis. And, again, and listen, anybody who thinks I'm a Lewis apologist will know that that is not the case. But uh, it, I know that it's not Imza, but if that had been Imza, that's a slam dunk uh, penalty because he didn't leave him a, a car's width. He's moved, and then he moved back. It was so early in the piece that Lewis actually was on the grass before the kerb started. And actually, he was very lucky not to do big damage to the car, hitting the leading edge of the kerb. And if you watch there, you could see where he'd ripped up all of the grass in front of the kerb for the whole of the rest of the race. Um, and th- that I... I having If they'd said no further action on that, if they said we've looked at it in no further action, then I possibly would have still been somewhat indignant, but I would have said, OK, they've looked at it, they've deemed that a racing incident. But for them to say we've noted it and give you a, a driving standards flag and you've got a yellow card, then I... I, I that... I'd, and jumping the chicane, uh, he made a mistake. Did he... Did he, uh, did he benefit from that? Was there a lasting benefit? Well, yes, there was, because he kept the lead. Yeah, and and, and if, if you're going to penalise... Well, well, and if you're going to penalise whoever it was, was it Vettel that was penalised at um, at Canada for going yeah. off the track was, and then coming dangerous. back on again? Yeah, going to, no, that, that was that was dangerous re-entry, yes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, I mean, we've all it, done a bit of that. It, it also, so I, I'm made, I'm made, yeah. What they turn out and they've gone, they've gone right. Mercedes are going to win the World Championship and the Constructors' Championship. Therefore, we can give Ferrari a free pass at this one, and it'd be great for our PR for Ferrari to win it at Monza. And I. Genuinely, this is not a conspiracy theory. I genuinely believe this is a conversation that was had because it doesn't make, and I don't care about, again, please don't say, oh, you're this, that, you support one person. I don't support anybody particularly. No. Well, I, used to, I used to support Team Team Awful Williams. Unfortunately, what can we do there? But the problem is, is that you can't start changing the rules. You can't manipulate the rules to get one result you wanted. So you could get, you know, a fabulous bit of PR with a Ferrari and the sea of fans beneath and Tifosi going, well, hey, you know, great. But, you know, it, it just seemed like the entire panic, the entire broadcast team had drunk the Kool-Aid and going, oh, this is marvellous. Look at the fantastic. Game. It doesn't matter. You, just because you're at home and just because you have lots of fans it doesn't give you a right to win a race. It doesn't give you, you can't just decide that it's, going to be good to do and they, oh it's Mark most fantastic ever and then they, then they have to kind of, a couple have to backpedal a little bit and say oh well, Leclerc was a little bit elbows out right on the limit you know at least um, Jolien Palmer was yeah, who isn't in the Sky team he's in the BBC team I mean he's obviously he thought he was completely out of order and I, and I just thought and I, and I couldn't agree more I think you know and then you have people like Lewis who's very very clever and has not made a fuss about it at all He's not made a fuss. He's just gone, okay, fair enough. That's what the new rules are. Because um, again, uh, I've just, been, to I've just been told, by the way, sorry, Nick, I've just been told by Brody, he said, I thought the same about the Lewis Leclerc grass near the curb, but actually I rewound it and it was like that a few laps before. All right, I, I take that back. But he, he was definitely off before the grass. The thing is, about all of this, Nick, what we want is consistency. And what we're not getting is consistency. If you're going to have a permanent set of stewards, that obviously it can't be always the same people every week, but surely there has to be one person who is consistent week to week, like a race director. Um, and I'm that person sure. then... Race director doesn't make decisions, people? though. The stewards make the decisions. You've got stewards. Oh. Why can't you find four people who can join? The, the circus already can, consists of what? I don't know. There must be... 300, 400, perhaps more, perhaps 400 people who travel permanently with the circus in various 
um, capacities from the truckies yep. to the tire men to the media. That's so they true. can't find four more people who can do it. No, FIA stewards are pretty well paid and all travel first plenty, class. It's yeah. a nice gig. And there's plenty of out-of-work F1, F1 and sports car drivers who could commit for the season. Even at 22 races, Alex, it's not the hardship. It's a, it's a thing they probably quite... They quite I, I don't understand this concept of not being able to do it. No, no. Uh, Alexander Orkin says the C4, the channel point of view of Total Wolf after the race was very revealing about the political Ferrari steward decision is disgraceful but not at all unexpected. Kevin Payne... Why is RC Racing surprised that everything at Monza was biased to Ferrari? Always has been the case. Suppose the legal fuel, a car millimetre too wide, etc., etc. I don't think he's surprised. I just think he's indignant, to be honest. He was on his soapbox a bit there for reasons, um, reasonable <laughs> reasons. You, you listen to the Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 35. We'll move on uh, from that. First half an hour has disappeared. Uh, in an instant, it would seem. Uh, we mm-hmm. spread to the four wins. Still to come in the show tonight, we've got Kez Cobb. Kerry is back with us. She'll be talking British Superbikes in the second hour tonight. Declan Brennell will be talking uh, two-wheeled action as well as we have a deep dive into MotoGP, which is back this weekend. Uh, Nick Damon is with us right now talking uh, Formula One. We've got some sports cars, quite a lot of sports cars to come, actually, and we'll be looking forward to this weekend's action from the WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, which I'm at at the moment, enjoying the afternoon sunshine. Should have run a longer, uh, definitely should have uh, had a longer wire on the headset and I could have been sitting outside uh, enjoying it. And uh, Tim Gray, executive producer, is up in London this evening where it's just after half past eight uh, for him, British summertime. And he's taking us where next? Are we staying with Formula One, Tim? We've all worked with uh, the the very, very most junior single-seater categories, haven't we? Things like Formula yes. Ford, Formula Renault. The, this yes. is the, the, Formula V. The very first step, not so much Formula V, but you'll understand why when we come on to the, this story. This is the very first time where, certainly in the UK... Uh, the foreign drivers come and take their first steps in a single-seater. And a lot of them don't speak any English, do they? That can happen in the first couple of weeks. speak little English. And they learn their English from their mechanics. Yes, Yes, that's not good. (laughs) And some of the words they learn are not the sort of of words that uh, their school teachers or parents would have taught them. No, uh, yes. And has someone given a particularly expletive-filled interview? No, not at all. Did you hear Lando Norris's team radio? Yes. Well, from from when? Uh, from Monza. Not believed out. From no, the I didn't hear it. No, I didn't. No, I didn't hear it. He was said, it very, "Stop." Very angular attack. Stop talking to me when oh, right. I'm trying to race. There was another F word as well at the start of a uh, team radio that wasn't bleeped out at the weekend. I think the B team was on which, by the looks of it. Which, which, considering everything is delayed, is unacceptable. I mean, we've had this discussion before, Nick, haven't we, about why they use certain bits of radio and why they don't actually edit the words out properly because they're not live. They're not anywhere near live. They're a lap or a, three quarters of a lap behind live. And yet they still don't... And, and I don't think there's any excuse for it, really. No, they've got enough people to, to you know, get it in, focus it, and, and then just trim it down. But obviously someone just... 
But you know what probably happened is that, is that Barry, who was sitting on the sound editing desk, did the edited version, then, but then accidentally sent the original version back. They, each, each one of them has to deal with five cars at once, so they're listening to a lot of radio. Yes, and I'm not actually sure, to be honest, that, that, that it's really been that helpful. I don't think that I don't think we, we learn much from team radio and, and it's been used in I think in quite negative ways to try and paint people in a certain format. And it's Correct. interesting that the drivers is... don't ever hear from. Well, the, the it, it's like reality T V, Tim. Yeah, well you'd think that from some of them. It's like reality T V though, Tim and Nick, isn't it? Because you know, there's no such thing as reality T V because there's there's a storyboard and there's a script and there's an agenda and there's you know, good guys and bad guys, white hats and black hats, and therefore they are looking for. Um, it's like lazy, lazy cops, lazy detectives. They're looking for clues to support and evidence to support their supposition of of the events, and not the other way around. They're not just looking for things that's interesting to give to us, and and. You know, Anthony Davidson listens to all of the, the radio with the, the Sky production team and he has quite a lot of the stuff long before it comes on on the radio, on the telly because they're turning it around. So there's no reason why they can't turn it around. I, I, I don't know what... It doesn't help... I, 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 sorry, it doesn't add... First of, first of all, why has the pitch-to-car radio quality gone down in recent years? Because they've gone digital? I don't know. But it has gone down to the point where some of the times you can't even really understand what's being said. The second thing is, what is it, ask yourself, what is it adding? It's very cool to put that up and put the little graphic up. Uh, but if it is push, 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 two more laps, when it's quite obvious that he's got two more laps to go, or um, a flat spot at a tyre when you've just seen him lock up for 150 metres, or, you know, he's in my way, or, you know, you're racing the man in front... I mean, how many times do we hear an engineer say, are you racing the guy in front? You know, I mean, right? Great. How is that adding anything to anyone? Even the so-called, the, the, the elusive, the virtually invisible, and frankly, do they really exist, casual viewers. How does that help them? Other than to say, oh, he's talking from a Formula One car. Do you know, a few years ago, talking from a moving car might have been quite exciting, but we all do it pretty much all the time now, whether on telephone <laughs> or on Skype or somewhere. You know, I, I, I was talking to Dex yesterday in a moving car and I didn't have to touch anything. I didn't wow. have to do anything. It, it came through the speakers almost like magic. It was fantastic. Did it bleep when you swore? And I don't, I don't swear when I'm on the radio. <laughs> what about when you're on the phone? I try not to swear. The 1949 Wireless Telegraphy Act, of which cell phones are part, in fact, so you've got to be a bit careful. It forbids um, foul language. Let's move on to Red Bull. Yes, they had an interesting race. Uh, because can I, can I just point out? Can I, can I point out something else that's quite that's not annoying, but just pe- people, people. But I know our our listeners are very very intelligent. That goes without saying. But if you just want to listen, how the you know, just think about how people are trying to play you. Let me ask you a question. Two races ago, who was the best driver in F1, John? Uh, two races ago, who was the best driver in F1? Uh, Lewis. 
No, it was Max Verstappen, according to all the press. Max Verstappen had the best year. Lewis, all we know. He's oh, sorry. Max I thought you were, asking, you were actually Max, asking me. Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. And who's the best? Who's the most amazing driver in F1 now? John, after two races later. Dev, Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Is he either clear? And, Sorry, and, I see what you're oh, doing with that. And, and Verstappen, oh, well, he's, he's had a rubbish race. Oh, he's rubbish. Oh, it's like, for God's sake, treat us like we've got some, some blinking intelligence. The fact is, the best uh, driver well, it, in F1 is the current world champion. At the end of this year, the best driver in F1 will be the world champion, whoever that may be. And stop trying to tell us other things are happening and, and putting caveats in and then running it race by race. We're not football fans we're intelligent motor racing fans we can make our own minds up what about a right one this week haven't i you have um, <laughs> formula one was dead after france formula one dead formula one dead awful no yes. ah, terrible we had seven of the um, best races ever it's unbelievable oh god it's what it does this is the best formula it's one season ever out. in the history of ever yeah, we, you and I, and and Joe and and Tim indeed as well, and even De- and Declan as well. We are all fans of football clubs who do not feature in the top six of Flight. anything. Yeah, often. But we are very, very, <laughs> very happy. We are very, very happy to support what? to watch games that are nil nil, nil one, one two. We don't need to be told it's a good game or a bad game, you know. And it's it's. But for some reason, we have to be told how we're going to enjoy an F, how we enjoy F1. We know we know there's get good games and bad games. We know there's all sorts of problems. It's it, but for some reason they have to say, oh disaster, oh fantastic, oh, oh. flippity bigot. Can, can, can we, uh, um, Alex, uh, can I do a couple uh, of tweets and then we'll mo- uh, and we'll move on because it, it's getting a bit, it is getting a bit silly I'd, now. I'd rather actually Nick finish. And I agree. I'd like to finish my right, sentence on, about on, Red Bull on. before we move on from it because I don't think the listener right. has uh, heard any of it yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've been talking uh, recently about whether Alex Albon, new to Red Bull, uh, would uh, suddenly be the better Red Bull. Yes. Um, there's also the point that had he not had an oil leak uh, Daniel Kriat would have finished ahead of both of the Red Bulls uh, on Sunday yeah no no it's um, it's uh, uh, you know Max Verstappen who is a very 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 good racing driver has had two bad races one through his own fault from, from getting his nose where it didn't need to be inspired one completely not of his own making um, when he had to start at the back and effectively came as close to a stop as an F1 driver can, being as circumspect as he could and still managed to lose his nose in the first lap somehow. Still can't work out how that happened. Um, so he's had two bad races as far as points are concerned. Uh, Alex Albon's had, had two bad first halves of the race. He's then been good in the second half. And, you know, as you say, Danny Kvyat put in a good run. Um, Gasly, unfortunately, has been sort of the, the worst of the four Red Bulls again. So you could, he's not having much of a renaissance now. He's back at... Uh, Laura Rosso, but yeah, I mean, I think I think you know Danny is doing a good job, and Danny will definitely be employed next year, whether it's with uh, Red Bull or um, Toro Rosso is is who knows. But he's done enough to keep his job, and he's you know he, it's a case, of course, always, and it must be very galling to have that problem when you're in a position to score points because all those guys from you know from the basically from well Renault even now Renault so basically had the top three teams, you have Renault and McLaren who pick up a lot of points, and the rest of the teams are scraping are running around for scraps, and when they actually get a bit of a run or some people aren't there. And it must be so annoying when you actually are having a great run, you know, and you have that that mechanical failure because you you'll do you'll do just as good a race, you know, in I don't know, say Singapore, but no one breaks down, you end up 14th because that's where your car is. Uh, 
the first corner incident with Verstappen uh, was for me the worst point of the uh, TV commentary. Well, it was a fantastic replay package, isn't it? When they, re- when they replayed it all the point to where it hadn't happened, realised they made a mistake, came back and, and replayed it. It, it, it's like... yes. it. it was when they said, I think he's been hit from behind. Uh, hang yeah. on, who started oh. behind Verstappen? No one. No one. a huge gust of wind. Absolutely no one started behind him. He started last. Yeah, Tim, but, you know... It's the heat of the moment. They weren't looking back there. They had rubbish pictures at the weekend, as we've already uh, established. And, you know, they, at that point, you're just guessing. You say something and you hope you're right. But that's, <laughs> you know, that's the... Well, but that, I that's, could see that's that there was the, no one behind him. Yeah, but you were sitting at home and, you know, you didn't have 20 people talking in your ear and all of that. It's live, live commentary. You do it, it's gone. And sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. It's not. I mean, it's different when people are biased. It's different when people uh, are uh, consistently peddling a, an agenda or pushing a driver because maybe they manage them, but they don't tell anybody they're managing them, and you know all that sort of stuff. That's what I get wound up about. But anybody who calls a race live on TV or radio, you're going to get it wrong as many times as you're going to get it right because you have to, you're paid to react and you're paid to have an opinion at that nanosecond, that picosecond. And it's it's very easy to go back and then go, oh, yeah, the, you know, they weren't watching that part of the grid. The, it's easy to rationalise that at the time when you're not doing a, b- a bazillion different things. I just thought it was bad coverage. Or, 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 above and beyond anything else, I thought that the pictures didn't do the race justice, didn't do the event justice, didn't do the atmosphere justice. I mean, the, the good news is you can hear the crowd now over the top of the cars, and that was good, and I enjoyed that. But I think, you know, we've all worked in the business for long enough. I think you've got to be really careful when, you know, we can make fun of people like that, but we've all done it, and we're all going to do it, and, you know, we'll do it again. I'll do it this weekend. I'll get some. I'll I'll get terribly excited about looking up from looking at something on a timing screen, and th- there's a replay on the screen, and I'll get terribly excited about it. And then realise that looks really. Fam- oh yeah, that happened six laps ago. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not headline news, is it? Really, replays of things that are six laps old. That's another thing that gets me. If you can't get the replay in in two laps, it's gone. <laughs> That's your production head coming on, and I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. You listen to Midweek Motorsport. Let's let's do a few tweets at Specutainment. Um Hang on, let's have a look. Where was I? Ah, uh, yes. Alexander Orkin, he says, back in the early 90s, I had a discussion via letter. Do you remember those? Yes. About the consistent rule enforcement of lack thereof with Bernie Eccleston. The only solution that I could say then and I can say now is a fixed group of stewards that follow the whole F1 circus uh, for every race through the season. Absolutely. Don't disagree with that. Uh, Dave Alcock says, I'm a big fan of Leclerc. I thought his actions with Lewis at Monzo out of line given the incident at Spa. The FIA should have dropped on this like the Aperville Anvil, but they didn't cover themselves with glory. Hello to Nick H. He's in. Kevin Payne says, I'm an intelligent motoring fan. Sorry, it quotes, I'm an intelligent motor racing fan, not a football fan. Oh, I am on one this week. Classic from Nick Damon. I agree, but the pictures are down to the... Uh, what's that about? Hang on. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the fixtures down the AC up for you. This is they're talking about the WEC. So frustrating for incident to occur. Instead of seeing how it pans out, we get 30 seconds of mechanics reactions in the pits, sometimes in slow-mo. That happens in F1 as well. Uh, I seem to recall it had a caption on the screen with Verstappen's positions. Would the comms guys not see that? It says Brody. Depends whether they've got screen. clean or a dirty field. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, 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 loving the show tonight. Great to hear you all wearing your hearts on your sleeve, saying what you really think. Yeah, well, we do that a lot. Right, you're listening to uh, Midweek Motorsport, and Tim has a point from those tweets. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on. Uh, sorry, I thought it says one one point from me. Then tweet. Oh, sorry. That, uh, that was seven minutes tweet. ago I wrote that. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just got here. I'm a long way away, you know. All right, uh, getting on to 10 to the hour, uh, let's uh, head on to another subject. Who's being too negative, Nick? Everybody. Who's being too negative? Uh, Leeds United. Um, um, <laughs> I don't know. Is this an F1 comment, is it? Yes. Arsenal. This is F1. Uh, it's from Alan Frost. Being... I'm sick of oh, his negativity. Oh, he, he didn't say that. It's, been, it's not happened. It's a, it's a misquote, isn't it? Been debunked. Is it's it? not Nico Hulkenberg. It's not Nico Hulkenberg. He, they've completely disavowed this was ever said. Go on. Right. No, seriously. It, it, it blew up over the internet over the last couple of days. Alan Prost had been um, very negative towards uh, Nico Hulkenberg, saying he was his negativity. And then it's been completely dis, dis, disavowed by everyone involved. And, they, and they're saying, well, where's the original source material? And, they, and no one's produced it, from what I read. Excellent. So, because the one thing I'd be very surprised about Nico Hulkenberg is him being negative. It's not really his modus operandi. Um, no. So, I, you know, and also, more importantly, Alan Prost, the professor, saying that sort of thing out of, out of school, not going to happen. Okay, then, uh, in the, the, the most amusing uh, bit of press release I've seen this week. Go on. While enjoying substantial brand recognition and significant... Significant exposure oh, through its title brilliant. partnership of Haas F1 team, its corporate <laughs> restructuring process at Rich Energy, will see the need for a revised global strategy. I don't think Rich Energy's brand recognition and exposure is down to its title sponsorship of Haas F1, is it? Well, that came well, from Haas, though. That was a statement from Haas. That did come from Haas. Gonna that put, was a statement from Haas. They're going to put their own spin on it, aren't I they? I think that their, their brand yes. recognition came from the big bearded bloke um, having a row with a bike company. but um, mm. uh, And I, I assume that they're going to... Because I, I, they, they rebranded themselves as something else, and they re-rebranded themselves back as Rich Energy. And, and I've forgotten his name. William Story is now back in charge again, officially. Uh, or Jack and Ollie, no as idea, he's but, known to everybody yeah. else. Uh, I, the only question is, how much of the thirty-five million that um, Haas were asking for did Rich Energy have to pay to get out of this? I think Haas have been incredibly um, clever, well advised by their lawyers. And, uh, yes, very true. But they 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 haven't descended into the Twitter spot that could have happened, given what was going on with their erstwhile. Sponsor, and I think they've been actually quite dignified. About Our F1 this. team would like to extend its uh, thanks and best wishes to these stakeholders in Rich Energy. Well, they've got a large amount of cash, and they've got they've got several hundred cans full of Red Bull. So why not? 
I think we should uh, find out whether the uh, court orders have been fulfilled, shouldn't we? Well, I don't know well, if all the cans have gone back. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's it's a sort of thing. If you made it, if you if you if, you, if it was written down as in a, in a novel, no one would ever ever believe it. But you know, it's 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 a. We'd be interested to see what they do next. Whether they disappear from the face of uh, of the soft drink marketplace, or come back with the bigger and bolder with even more ridiculousness. But uh, I'm sure that no one. Yeah, but we're still talking. We're still we're still talking about yep. them. Alexander Orton says, agree with your comments about getting the commentary right and wrong. But what galls me is F1 is arrogant and seems to lord itself above everything else. If they are, then surely they should get it right all the time. <laughs> Okay. Dave Alcock says, I think the occasional coverage, coverage issues in F1 remind us just how good ELMS, IMSA, Kreventic, uh, uh in both sound and vision really are. In sports car racing, we're really spoiled with the quality of the coverage we receive for free. Thank you, Dave. That's kind. Uh, I want to know if there's a can mountain uh, outside a certain count, uh, bike factory. A uh, number of people asking about that. Uh, that wasn't the most bizarre um, press release of the week, but we'll get on to that later on. Uh, Tim, <laughs> what's next? Uh, what's John Lacey been doing for Pirelli? I don't know. Mm. Um, Shooting the next something. calendar. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic, that would. Brilliant. Uh, no, he uh, he was testing their 18-inch tyre. John ah. Lacey was? Yes. Really? Yes, he's got so much yes. experience of current cars. What, in the F2 car? <laughs> uh, I don't know what car must, he was driving. must be the F2 car, because F1 tyres haven't been built yet. Um, they're going to do some testing for the first time, I think, this weekend, this week or next week, a poor recall with a Renault-supplied mule car, uh, which Sergei Shirotkin would be doing testing of the uh, 18-inch F1 tyres. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I, I didn't know anything about they obviously the 18-inch tires are coming into F2 next year, so that that obviously is going to be a major change. They, and then of course when we, when we hit 2021 for F1, we have every it's all changed, everything changes, so we have a major uh, revamp. Though how major, we still don't know. Indeed. Uh, moving on, seven-time Formula One world champion Michael Schumacher has been to France for some cutting-edge stem cell therapy, according to reports. In Le Parisienne, uh, I th- uh, the problem is, Tim. It's according to reports. You, you don't know what's going on. There is there has been work done with stroke victims. You know, obviously, he has a he he suffered from a bleed on the brain, which is obviously similar to caused by an accident rather than a stroke. Um, with stroke victims, um, where they have found putting stem cells uh, does bring back movement, and that includes the BBC reporter whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, the sun, the guy who does the Sunday program, who had a stroke, and uh, he's he he go, he went and had some uh, stem cell therapy and got extra movement back. It's not a night and day cure. You don't you don't walk in with problems and walk back fully formed, but it does have a also has a kind of a gradual. So say say you improve by five percent after the operation, you'll actually improve another five percent over time as well. So you do get a, a growing improvement. So that might be what they're talking about. However, as with all the things, it's a it's a private family matter, and you know it's just you know, we just. Very sad, and obviously everyone would like to see him in uh, a position where he felt that the family felt that they were happy for him to 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 meet the public. But I think that could be that is now looking more and more likely that we never. Let's move on to Formula E now. They've announced the 
12 teams that will be competing next season, which will be the seventh of that championship. Uh, We have uh, Mercedes uh, entering for the first time under their own name rather than uh, as HWA. Uh, And they will have uh, Stoffel van Dorn as one of their drivers. Yes, but he's retained, of course, from, from as you say, from the HWA team. Uh, but Gary Paffitt has got lots to moan about now because he's been dropped down to driver, advisor and coach, hasn't he? Yes. Uh, Porsche had already announced its two drivers. We already knew that that was going to be Neil Yarny and Andre Lotterer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that Jean-Éric Verne will be at uh, Diesta Cheetah. Almost certainly with Antonio Felix Costa. Mm-hmm. who has been replaced at BMW Maxi Gunter. Uh, Alex Sims not confirmed yet, but um, more than likely. I fade out. Did we miss saying who the second Mercedes driver was? Uh, as far as I'm aware, it hasn't been announced, unless you know something I don't. Yes, it has. It's announced today. It's Nick DeVries, which is oh, a surprise. Of course it's Nick DeVries, yes. Because um, basically Nick is saying, I can't get an F1 gig, even though I'm very, very likely to win an F2. Yes. Because I'm pretty certain the Mercedes contract would be significantly more watertight than the Nissan contract was for um, Alex Albon. So, you know, um, but I think that's great. I mean, it's 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 all ramping up, and this, they, you know, we are really getting to make or break with FE now because FE have got all their manufacturers, they've got all their their activation golden goose, and um, yeah, they could just reduce the amount of um, you know Super Mario Kart about the actual racing and just keep the cars apart from each other a little bit more rather than smashing every single time, um, they've got a series of people you know, that's now got a very high-profile, high-profile manufacturer, high-profile drivers. So they're on the cusp, but it could go either way. Uh, the other teams are Audi, uh, Envision Virgin, Geox Dragon, Mahindra, Neo 333, Nissan Edams, uh, Panasonic Jaguar, and Venturi. So, yeah, so uh, though I think a couple of those are actually under discussion to be bought out, aren't they? We shall see what happens. Uh, season starts... Does it start in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it does start in Saudi. I think that's, it's quite soon, isn't it? I think it's 22nd. It's, I read a thing about Nick DeVries saying that the the first round of Formula E was the week before the last round of F2. Yes. I think it's the back end of November for, for the first round of F2. Because, of course, we are, we're going to December. We're going into December with F1 mm. on this year. Just by a day, but it still counts. Any comments on that, John? Uh, what, Formula 1 called it December? No. Formula it seems e. to be yeah, Formula e. team announcement. Right, yeah. But um, with the Formula 1's serious point here, with the Formula 1 season getting later and going later and later, it does kind of negate these winter series because we're still getting the overlaps between FIA series. Which is, mm. you know, the the whole point. The whole point was, and, and and going to more races next year, Nick. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm I'm pushing the soapbox back out towards you here. <laughs> but going to more races next year isn't going to help that. Although, it, I mean, that calendar that we talked about last week for for next year, with 125 races or whatever it is, That's right. um, is, yeah, is, is there, are there seven back to backs next year? Yeah, and there's also. 
and they've reduced testing again, which is never a good idea. Mm. Um, I mean, in fairness, this year, next year is going to be one of the most stable years between seasons we've had for a long time. There's not an awful lot of changes. The only changes which are likely is going to be the change to the Pirelli tyres, which theoretically are going to degrade less because that's what teams have asked for, but they haven't made it specific. It's not written in stone, and Pirelli are turning around going, are you sure that's what you want? So that would be the only change. The cars themselves would be very, very similar. Um how on earth they're going to do the 21, the new cars in 21 on six days of testing? I have no idea. I hope they have a bit of a, a rethink about that for the following year. But yeah, there's not enough testing. There's too many races, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, we have reached the end of the first hour of Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 35. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. And is there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? Ooh, dessert. See, there's a thing that I forgot about when I was having sort of brunch this morning. Uh, in the second hour of tonight's programme, we'll have Kerry Cobb of British Superbike Action. Uh, we'll be talking about MotoGP, looking at the machinations of all the recent toings and throwings in terms of contracts uh, and how the big motorcycle manufacturers are lining up for the next few years. More of your tweets, please, on at Specutainment. Uh, as we continue our uh, blast around the world this weekend with me at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. And we'll be talking sports car next as we head into the second hour of Midweek Motorsports. So let's do a bit of sports car news. Uh, who have we got? Have we still got Nick on there? Nick? At the moment, we still have Nick, but we Hello. can swap to Declan if you want to swap Hello, to Declan. Hello, love. I mean, just say, uh, I'd be very, if you wish to go to Declan, that's fine. Um, uh, and I'd just like to say that I will be available uh, on the internet all next week in Slovakia at the 110th Electric Off-Road Championships from, Slo- from Slovakia, just so you know. Cheap plug. <laughs> And where, where would we see that, Nick, if we, if we wanted to see that? Where would we well, see that? What you should all have done is you'd already have, have, have um, liked my RC Racing TV page. And all the information is on there the whole time, including easy to access links on Facebook. But obviously, we're also available on YouTube and there'll be stuff on Twitter, too. All right. Uh, let's start with a bit of ELMS news. Uh, Johnny Palmer, uh, our ELMS uh, Main broadcaster not with us tonight, but uh, it's not it's that long birthday. before ELMS. It is his birthday. He's, he's out partying, I'm sure. He's got his dancing trousers on tonight, apparently. Uh, ELMS Spa coming up and Carling not going with their car. Uh, and uh, do you know why this is, Nick? Well, you should do because you were at Silverstone. The Nick's gone. Oh, has he? Yeah. All right. Uh, that's because Jack Manchester's accident has kept him out and Carlin have decided not to replace him. I've got a whole host of IMSA news as we are here at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna uh, Seca uh, Raceway. Um, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. Um, but let's, before we get to something direct, all the stuff directly here, would like to talk a little bit about uh, an interesting test that Andy Prior blew the whistle on earlier this week when he tweeted that he'd been in uh, Aragon testing the uh, RTP24, RT24P rather, the uh, Multimatic Chassis Mazda DPI. And uh, that car uh, 
uh, was doing a couple of days of endurance testing at Aragon, one place that I really want to go. And uh, Nick now can't come to the uh, MotoGP there, so I may have to go on my own. Um, along if, if you were with to Andy take uh, Catherine Legg with you, would she be Catherine of Aragon? Uh, very good. I see what you did there. Um, only if she can pack into one side and pack all our gear into one side of a motorcycle uh, pannier. Uh, along with Andy Prio, who, of course, has driven for Multimatic in the World Endurance Championship uh, for Ford, uh, other Multimatic drivers uh, and Ford drivers, Stefan Mucker and Ollie Pla were there. Ollie Jarvis was there from the current DPI squad, presumably as a baseline test. And uh, uh, Harrison Newey was there as well, testing. Very interesting. Uh, that car's really come together. Back-to-back victories uh, in IMSA and a track this weekend, of course, that should suit that car very well indeed. For those of you in the States, uh, it's uh, all live on the big network this weekend on NBC. And I'll talk about DPIs uh, in a moment, but it is the Sprint Cup decider in the for the GTDs this weekend, just a one point gap between Zachary Robichon in the number nine Porsche for Faf and the two drivers from the 86 uh, Acura, Mario Farnbacher and Trent Hinman, who also can take the main GTD title this weekend before we even get to the season finale at Atlanta in a couple of three weeks' time. Uh, they need to have they need to leave here with a 32 point margin, and they can do that. This weekend, 32 cars in IMSA uh, this weekend. And let's run through a few of the other stories. Uh, Im Vasa Sullivan have new colours for the number 12. Uh, Mem SQL are jumping on that car. And in the other car, Jack Hawksworth pledged his allegiance to the team and will stay for at least one more year. Whilst we're talking about liveries, the turn of BMW will be back in liquid molly colours for this race, the number 96 GT3 M6, that is, for this race and the finale. Uh, the BMW number 24 from Rahal Letterman Lanigan has done a bit of an ACDC this weekend. What do you think that is then, Tim? Uh, I'm not familiar with their music. <sighs> They're back to black. I've just uh, found this weekend. the motorsport uh-huh. connection in that pointless press release that Jeremy Shaw sent. All right, well, save it up, save it up. I'm still not going to use it. I don't understand it, nor does Jeremy. All right. Uh, DPI this weekend. Uh, Mentioned Mazda on a roll. It's a track they've been good at. Uh, We've got some news that's just come in that people Durrani and Philippe Nazar staying with the number 31 wheel and Cadillac for 2020. Uh, and Whelan staying on, and that is a renewal because Whelan, Whelan's uh, agreement with Action Express had uh, or was coming to an end at the end of this year. That was the end of their current agreement. So they've signed up for at least one more year. No word about the 31 Mustang sampling car. Uh, strong rumour in the paddock here that Joao Barbosa will do the endurance races only next year, but no news about that 31 car. Uh, now let's have a look at some other uh, uh, let's talk about the Michelin Pilot Challenge uh, Hart are back with their Honda because remember that's the car that's run from the Marysville uh, Honda factory and they can't they uh, they can't uh, always get the time off uh, the second core Mustang is back for Ari Berlog and Greg Leofuga 
Ramsey Racing are back with the uh, AMG, the dark red AMG for Alexander Premont and Mark Ramsey. So that's good news. And, and to be fair, it's good that we're getting uh, extra cars in because EU reports have gone. Uh, the company, overarching company, uh, according to the man who formed it, Matt Moran, uh, the overarching company is insolvent and bankrupt and the race team uh, is gone through lack of sponsorship. We wish the best, obviously, to everybody uh, uh, involved in that who will be looking for work. But, as I say, we still have 32 uh, cars because of the extra uh, machines. Uh, we've got the second Carbon with Peregrine Racing, Audi R8, LMS GT4, uh, Tom Dyer and Samir Gandhi, uh, a revised lineup there. More Speed uh, will be back after they made their debut at VIR, wasn't it? They've got a GT4 Audi. Rob Ferriol and Spencer Pompelli uh, will be on the list. Dominic Bauman subs for Indy Donchi in the Winwood Racing HTP Mercedes. And there's changes to automatic racing. Chris Wilson comes back to action with Rod Ek- Rob Eklund Jr. back in the 09 GT4 uh, as well. And uh, Matt Pombo, Mike Lamara back with the LA World, uh, LA Honda World Racing Team. They go back to three cars for the first time since Watkin Glen with Mike Lamara and Matt Pombo in the number 73. Ryan Nash is in for Mark Kavame in the three. Um, Alpha Roma, Romeo Giulietta. Uh, that's the KMW Motorsports car. And. I think we've got we've got a promoter test day tomorrow. There's nobody here right now at the moment. In other sports car news, uh, British GT finale at Donington this weekend. Uh, their 300th race in its current guise. And it's absolutely all to play for. Five teams in GT3 can still win the championship. Six in GT4. The Silver and Pro-Am Cups in GT4 are still up for grabs as well. So pretty much everything still up for grabs there at Donington. Over the weekend, two hours of racing will decide the championship. Tip. And more importantly, they're going to have a collection of uh, British GT cars from their previous 300 races on display. And some of them will be taken Thir- to the track as thir- well. Yeah, 13 or 14 of those. Uh, Phil Keane's never won a British GT championship. The man who is the Stig, of course, was the Stig until most recently. Uh, he... Uh, is in with a shout as are a couple of other big names as well if um, as I say in the two championships to have 11 teams 5 in GT3 and 6 in GT4 um, it, it, they've done a good job Benji and the guys do a great job uh, on that and hopefully it'll be a nice weekend uh, what's the weather forecast for the weekend Tim? depends is where you are good? in the in the south what's it like it's going to be yeah. uh, so Donington's in the south uh, it's going to be uh, very warm and sunny well, I hope it's a big crowd because that'll be a really good race and uh, I'll catch up on that when I uh, get back. Uh, let's go to the tweets before we bring F uh, uh, Declan in. Um, Dave Alcock says, talking about the Can Mountain, I wonder when we're going to hear the deal of the century with the auction of a million empty aluminium cans and we won energy drink T-shirts which were optimistically printed and never used. Any suggestions there for dates? Uh, a lot of people asking about the new uh, Porsche Taycan, Taycan. Uh, yet to see one in reality there. And hello to Moni Elysium, uh, waving from the cube. We're waving back. 
I can see. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, we still have uh, lots to come, including uh, some NASCAR news and our Ooh. brand new game show. But we're going to talk about two-wheeled motorsports. Uh, and uh-huh. after a summer break of about uh, five months, World Superbikes was back in action at the weekend. They put uh, the circuit of the Algarve at Portimao. I saw a bit of it. Not all, not as much as I wanted to. I, I sort of got distracted and I was away, obviously, working on Saturday up at Cadwell. I had a fabulous day of club racing up there and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Portimao is a funny circuit, but it really works for motorbikes, I think. It's a bit like a, a longer knock hill with all the ups and downs and the, the blind corners. They need to do one thing, though. Declan Brennan, which is what? Move it from Portugal. No, no, it's it's an it's a sensational bike circuit. What they need to do is they need to, for the show, when it works, commas, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is move the finish line another 200 yards along. Start the start. The start line is fine, but put the finish line another 100 to 200 yards further on, so you so can you at least a, a have down. Uh, as prop yeah uh, the the chance to have a a draft to the finish. Because uh, with the start finish line being where it is, you can't quite do that. Unfortunately, isn't you can't. It, isn't it? Is isn't that a very F one thing though? Because the sprint to the line out of the final corner from F one is traditionally been real in recent years, has been really short. And I applaud it when MotoGP um, actually move it. And there are a few places where they do have a long run to the line. Um, rather than just use the same finish line as, as as F1 does. One or two series have done that at quarter as well, where the F1 finish line is, you know, 30 metres out of the final corner. But other series use the start line, which is much further down. Yes, and I really yes. like that because because you should be able to have a go on the final corner and say, right, I'm either going to outbreak him or I'm going to try and get a better run and outdrag him to the line. And the other, the other thing you see with that is, and you see it in, in all forms of racing, is, uh, is you see people then uh, basically do dress rehearsals over the previous laps, knowing that you've only got a, you've got a very specific way of passing. And I guess you fell into that trap, I remember a couple of weeks ago, with thinking that's what uh, Alex Rince was doing with Mar- Marquez, when in fact he wasn't. He, yes. he literally thought he thought he was on the last lap. <laughs> And the yeah. beauty of not having the beauty of not having radio on a bike, to be perfectly honest. And and uh, back to your uh, discussion about Lando uh, earlier, if they turned around and got rid of pit to car communication tomorrow in all forms of racing, and made you forced you to only use pit boards, I'd be all for that. All for it. Mm. It would improve everything. The only thing I think you should have pit the car radio. Uh, right, uh, endurance racing is slightly different because you've got a, a longer period of time. You've got more information going backwards and forwards. But no, you could still do it all on a pit board. However, I think now that you've had it, what you still should be able to have is safety messages, but from race control only. That's, but that's they can how be done, I would They can be done scrolling on, on, as they are in, Mo, in MotoGP. They can be done on a readout on, the, on the, 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 the dash. They do that now in WEC and the drivers still don't see them. <laughs> how you can ever, how you can ever in WEC get miss a yellow flag 
Uh, we saw it at Le Mans, let's not forget. How you can ever miss a yellow flag. How you can ever miss a warning flag. Because it comes up on a screen which is the size of a, a widescreen sat-nav right in front of you with your number on it if, if it's for you. Um, it's the Magnetic Morelli system. It's brilliant. And, and you know, I did so many... Uh, this is a long time ago now when I was still working with the WEC on telly because I was there and, and had nothing to do one afternoon at Shanghai, I think it was. We took the two safety cars out to help them test um, and had to drive round and report where we could see what with what was coming up on the screen and they were letting us know via radio message that they were sending stuff to us and how quick did it come up on the screen and all that sort of stuff. So that already happens, but drivers, you know, they don't see it or they're too busy or there's other stuff going on. So just having, you know, somebody in your ear saying, there's a yellow flag at turn 12 or it's raining at Arnage. You know, uh, yeah, you know I, I think that's, in, that's enough. But I tell you, if there was no pit to uh, radio communication uh, when Ralph Schumacher was racing, it would have been fantastic. He would have had to pretend he was blind not to avoid team orders because uh, Ralph Schumacher, or bigger pardon, Ralph Schumacher spent most of his time saying his radio didn't work when he was given bad news. He was a he's a typical millennial. He only wanted to hear nice things about himself. He couldn't cope with uh, with with anything negative. So I, I mean, th- there was talk, wasn't there, about MotoGP having um, radios to the the rider, and it was it was very quickly scotched and and sort of oh, no, let's uh, put that in the bottom drawer and lock that away, and we'll not talk about that anymore. But John, do you not think that? And this is this maybe just it's the it's the language of MotoGP as is now. It's the visual language. It's the way the thing is presented. That the 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 cut to the to the uh, the various uh, signalling boards is actually quite a nice kind of intrinsic part of the broadcast now when you it's part of the drama it's part of the narrative you know they're all different colored they've all got the different shapes and their lo- the, the drop riders logos on them and it's a, I, I think it really works and it, it's uh, uh, maybe i'm just old-fashioned but certainly the micromanagement that goes on in formula one particularly the almost patronizing way that drivers are spoken to which i think is what lando was was reacting to uh, is, yeah. is 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 horrific you know, you've got to go faster. It's I, the I old, love that. It's the old... I, I, yes. Come on. You, <laughs> you, can you pick, the, pick, pick yeah. the picker? Pick the picker. Pick the You risk the guy in front. Pick the picker. <laughs> right. And, and how do you suggest I go any faster? Yeah. <laughs> you want to give me more cylinders maybe or uh, another another care system? Uh, not, uh, not a this, lot. This from... No, this from Red Turn Lover. Uh, I think having to rely on pit boards on the Nürburgring Nordschleife would be a bit ridiculous. All right. There are always going to be exceptions. Absolutely. No, Absolutely agree. And for you safety. Have, you, you just have signalling uh, areas like you do at the Isle of Man. You have signalling areas uh, at de- designated spots. The Isle of Man do it. It's 37 miles and the Isle of Man have there are uh, uh, signalling areas a- across the mountain. So I don't I don't buy that for a minute. Didn't they uh, used to do that at Le Mans except, as well? Except, yes. Except, on, except, guys, on the Isle of Man, it's a time trial, not a race. Right, you're not actually pack racing. It's it's a time trial, not a race. So it's not like it's not like you've got 170 cars on the Nurburgring Nordschleife, and you're going to have a pack of 20 cars, all of which are in different classes. There's an awful lot going on. Mind having said that, to be honest, at the Nurburgring, you can't always. Some of the teams don't get radio coverage all the way around. The the better funded teams do because they put in repeaters. 
but uh, and ground stations. Most of them use ground stations now, um, believe it or not. Um, but for the, the guys who probably need it more, i.e. the guys who are in the slower cars and the, the less well-funded cars, they probably don't have radio all the way all the way around. They can only listen in at, at certain places. It can be a, be a blessing and a curse, depending on, on how you use it. And, you know, what was the lap time at Monza, Tim? A minute and what? About a minute, 18, minute, 19, which I thought was slow because I remember it being a minute 15 or less uh, 20 years ago. But apparently it's because of the reprofiled first chicane, which makes it slower. Well, if, if you really need to pass information to your driver more than every 70, 80 seconds... Pigeon, then, really fast pigeon. Yeah, I know, but, well, but that, I'm, I'm siding with Dex here. Very good. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm siding with Dex there. I, I think you know, once you get over a certain amount of, of, of distance, then maybe. But there's there's no real reason for them to be doing. The problem is, if you have radio, you can't. Once you say you have radio, you can't actually, um, regulate it. And there's no point in saying there's no team orders. I know that doesn't happen in Formula One now, but but um, uh, in other series, you can't say there's no team orders. You know, IMSA have been talking about um, coded messages and, you know, people not using alphanumeric codes and all of this sort of stuff. And, yes. you know, so are we now going to hear people saying... Um, you know what? What's for dinner after the race tonight? Is it yeah. burgers or 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 is it sauerkraut? You know, the I'm, bear I mean, is no longer what? in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> the fish are flying high tonight. Yes. Um. All all of that stuff. Once the genie's out the bottle, you can't put it back in without without you know completely knocking it on the head. So I I I, I I'm not sure that you can uninvent it now. But there's no reason for them not to go back to. Uh, oh. Well, let me put it another uh, way. There's no reason for us to hear it. It doesn't add anything. Well, it, it genuinely, no, I, it well really... I said that. I said that in the first half, Dex. Yes. I, I think it adds nothing. I think if it no, was you... surreal coded messages, it would add something. Yes, I'm all for that. I'm all for surreal coded messages. I'm all for them shouting, teaching their drivers Morse code or Braille and shouting things like lump space, space, lump, lump, space. Or... <laughs> That would be entertaining. Uh, As it stands at the moment, for me, as it stands at the moment, for me, um, it's it's nothing more than audio voyeurism, if if such a thing can can exist. And it's It's, not even that interesting, to be honest. I was going to say it's a layer to to create a veneer of interest. When, when, where none exists, uh, and that's that's the the the, the uh, I won't say any more because I am clearly uh, not in any way uh, a, a a Formula One aficionado anymore, and 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 stuff like that is the reason why. And and getting excited about mm. mundane radio conversations is 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 a is, and that's one of the reasons. Uh, again, back to back to motorcycle racing. Why motorcycle racing has that purity to some extent when uh, when you're yes. constantly holding out a lap as a, when you're constantly holding out and you see it regularly now it's so so close uh when you're showing a gap being zero it's i, I do love that look your gap is nothing 
push as hard as he can. There is no. I love the way. I, the other thing I love about people on pit walls is when they lean out and shake their fist at people <laughs> or wave them forward, yeah. because obviously I mean, that that is the visual equivalent of somebody saying, "Go a bit Correct. faster, will you?" You know. Yeah, you're not going. Right. Fast. Let's get Balancing back to World Super. You're not going yeah. fast enough. Or yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the, You're absolutely so at, correct. At the weekend, history was made in Portugal. Do you know why? World Superbike history. Was it the was first the time weekend. that Jonathan Ray hasn't been on the podium? No. Hmm. No. That may be true, <laughs> but it's not the answer on my card. Oh, it was the. Oh, but uh, it oh, was it the three th- hundredth uh, race. No. I'm no, to that was three hundred race this year. Only. It was the oh, yes, it was the three hundred uh, race on the Iberian <laughs> Peninsula this year. Uh, it was the only race in World Superbike history where everyone finished. Oh, interesting, interesting. Mm. Uh, it, I will so, say the racing, the racing was uh, generally pretty good. As I said, it's great bike track. Uh, uh, the racing in race one, uh, if you were to exclude. Uh, not that we can, but if we were to exclude the performance of Jonathan Ray, uh, everything else was really interesting, uh, really exciting, very good racing. And I was particularly taken by the the inter-Nissan Kawasaki battle between the man currently sitting uh, in the factory ride, on the factory ride, Leon Haslam, and the man attempting to usurp him uh, currently on the Pajetti Kawasaki, and that's top rack uh, Raz Catlioglu. Catliogi uh, was excellent. There's uh, what we do know is that Leon Haslam has a deal for next year with Kawasaki. We do not know which team no, it is. Which team, no. Yes. No. Uh, so what's interesting is, uh, in some respects, I think they are fighting for a. a, a and and I would probably, probably uh, lean towards giving it to Top Rack. And of course, Top Rack is is managed by Keenan Safoglu also a Turk and, and a five-time World Supersport champion. The last three times, of course, he did it with Kawasaki and, and is clearly a very valuable asset to Kawasaki. So if I was a betting man, which I used to be, I would say that Safoglu is probably going going to uh, move to the uh, to, to the big team effectively for next year. And we might see Leon move to, to Pachetti. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, the, the other thing of note, of course, is that we, we saw... Uh, Alvaro Bautista kind of uh, get all, get back on 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 track in some respects, having had uh, a shocking a shocking end to the summer. to the spring or the summer yet or or the the spring slash summer. Oh. Uh, he just awful where he basically threw some of it through his own fault a couple of times it wasn't, but basically handed the championship to Jonathan Ray as if Jonathan oh, Ray he, needed he, an invitation. I mean, what 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 was he was he was eighty odd points ahead. He's he's all bar. He's he's ninety one points behind. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, it, a, it's that is it's an extraordinary. I know we've talked about it before, but I keep every time I go to watch superbikes, every time I go on the superbike uh, website, I I just keep looking at it and going, oh god, yes, of course that that it's got to be one of the most extraordinary sporting stories um, that that of recent years where somebody has done so well, then not just a bit bad, but absolutely nonsensely bad. I mean, I could have, I could have done as bad as he has in, in that middle part of the season. I will if say I could have uh, done as bad as he had without getting on the bike. 
<laughs> I could have got as many points as him, and it wouldn't have cost me four hundred grand, which is what what, he, what exactly. his salary is. And I want I want to I want to come to that actually. That blew me away. I, I found out what his salary was this week. He's paid half of what what uh, Chaz Davis is. That is all about the change, of course, because it looks like the what has been a relatively badly kept secret. It does look like he's moving to Honda for next year, and he's not just moving to Honda uh, Morawaki Altea, which is the current custodians of the of of the. Uh, factory fireblades he will be moving to hrc out of barcelona basically working within the same uh, under the same roof as the moto gp uh along with uh with uh i, I was going to say tamagotchi but that's a, a an electronic child's pet uh takahashi <laughs> Scooby takahashi yeah he's racing with a no tamagotchi. i want to see a tamagotchi he's racing on the tamagotchi isn't he <laughs> So, well, interestingly enough, the whole debate about what he's racing on, uh, uh, there was obviously a lot of rumor that, that KTM's vacancy with, with Fogger, uh, Fogger, beg your pardon, with uh, Sarko leasing, leaving KTM uh, during his contract meant there was a vacancy there. And the strong rumor was that Batista, particularly the rumor as he was beginning to really show his, his uh, ability on the factory Panigale, there was a lot of talk of him, but he's not taking that. That that he's going, as he said, he's going to Honda. He's going to Honda for a lot of money. Uh, John, from yeah. from a road bike perspective, as you know, we're going to see a new Fireblade with an awful lot more power, I believe. And and really, another way of saying this is that it looks like Honda are waking up to the to the fact that their efforts in Superbike recently have been pretty substandard on a bike that just isn't up to the task. And I mean, the base model the... isn't up to the task anymore. No, and, and the problem with that is, Dex, it does have a knock-on effect. I mean, I, I, I my days of, of riding even vaguely sporty bikes are, are, are long gone now, but I was mainly a Suzuki guy when I was riding sporty bikes, GSXR um, 750, uh, and then I moved into something sort of sports touring. I had an RF 900 back in the day, but I'm a, I'm a big BMW touring guy now because I'm built for comfort, not for speed at my age. But I don't see Honda Fireblades on the road anymore and you know they used to be one of the must have bikes and they've as a brand the fireblade has just sort of fizzled out a bit as far as i can see when i'm riding on the roads and you know particularly if i'm taking the back roads and it's a nice day i normally use my bike for work but i I still like to enjoy i don't just troll down the motorways i go the back roads and if it's a nice weekend and there's people out having a bit of scratching and then i'll i'll be trying to keep up with them or whatever and i'm not seeing fireblades anymore as a as a as an icon and it was an icon everybody waited to see even if it wasn't a whole new bike oh what's the new colors going to be on the fly fireblade this summer i mean it, it, it was an extraordinary thing and i'm just not seeing that excitement about that brand anymore i, I feel and i know that this this is, is is true in terms of of the development of the of the ducati brand ducati Leveraged. It took them a while to uh, uh, to, to to corporately embrace this, but they leveraged World Superbike in a way that that created the Ducati brand that we are currently under Absolutely Audi ownership or, or under VW Group ownership. But but Superbike effectively buttressed that brand and and helped it grow. 
And that you cannot say the same for Superbike now. For particularly, I'd say for Yamaha or Honda. And I had a, I've had a conversation with you previously. Uh, last year, my theory is that it is not humanly possible to mount successful programs at the very highest level in Superbike and in in uh, MotoGP. And uh, Honda are arguably uh, proving that. Uh, I think what we're going to see next year is. Uh, a, a radical rethink of what they ha- have to offer and what they're going to do. Uh, and that, of course, starts with uh, them producing a brand new road bike, which arguably is going gonna, is gonna to be quite exciting for the, the customer. But, but it's, in, in some respects, it seems like the road bike development is a byproduct of their need to win on the track. And I'd like that to be the case. Yeah. I would like kind of like w- what we have with with uh, the way over the years the styling cues and the development of the Corvette road car uh, were uh, led by what was happening and what was needed at Le Mans. Like for example, getting rid of pop up lights and that sort of thing. And and I, I feel maybe there's a case of that with the Fireblade. I might be wrong, but it'd be great if that was the case that the Fireblade's development well, is. How being... far down the line do you go, Dex? Because the danger at that point is that you produce a bike uh, for the road which actually isn't a road bike. And you get into things, you know, and to use the analogy of sports car racing, you get into the Ford GT, which was designed as a racing car and then backwards engineered into a road car uh, for homologation purposes. Well, and, and, let me, you know, let we've me always, answer that. We've always said about Moto, we've also said, always said about MotoGP, that's like the, in the past, that's been like the prototype racing, whereas um, World Superbike has been cast at least as more of the GT racing and you know putting the the headlight graphics on and things like that were an absolute genius stroke as far as i'm i'm concerned but but how it's not quite as simple as that nowadays in in superbike no but and i'll be very quick at this the 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 ford gt analogy uh having spoken to an owner recently uh and who's recently had it out at laguna seca i said it it is the most beautifully easy car to drive so uh, uh so there's that and and the the, the direct comparison with with sports bikes and super bikes is and i think this is actually a negative is particularly with traction control technology and and seamless gear shifts and and all of the things we now have that are are now migrating their way to to road bikes is that road bikes are easier to ride whether or not that's a good thing and whether or not it's giving people a false sense of security but but the tech is means that i believe bigger and more powerful bikes are easier to ride that's what i would that would be my response to that when you've got when you've got seamless shift on tourers like my um, K sixteen hundred GT BMW now the new version of that has got seamless up up and down shifts, and you know when I learned to ride a bike you had to be able to change gears and effectively double the clutch rev down through the box, the the motorcycle equivalent of heeling and towing effectively, and once you've learned to do heeling and towing in a car or revving down the box on a motorbike when it's wet and when it's things like that and you've got the rev match when you're coming down and you've got to ride differently, then it makes life a lot easier for you if you do that and it becomes second nature. And and I, I don't want a tourer, I don't need a tourer that shifts up in a gazillionth of a second because I, I'm not going for a lap time on me, on me 300 and whatever it is, 400 kilo bike, by the way, we're talking about here. <laughs> I don't really need to shave two gazillionths of a second on the on the two gear changes that it takes from to go from 0 to 80 miles an hour or whatever the hell it is. I, I, I agree with you. 
But we're already through the looking glass on this because because don't forget the man who is now being hailed as the arguably the greatest of them all is Mark Marquez. And Mark Marquez is a mm. in fact he's so young that he is a product of particularly the, uh, the exactly he's a, he he came in the, the 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 fact that he he has more trust in the in the tech than anybody else. That's why you get the lean angles he gets. That's why he gets the corner speeds that he gets. Because he, it's what he's grown up with. He came in and embraced it and, and was absolutely took all of it on board in a way that, that basically it all moved into MotoGP uh, right when he came in. And he is the master of it. So could he ride a bike without it? I don't know. I don't know if, if he had to go back and ride an old bike. Who knows? Uh, let's quickly look at the standings and then we'll move on. Uh, Jonathan Rear with a 91 point lead, 490 to 399 over Bautista on the Ducati in second. Then the two Yamahas, Lowe's from uh, Michael van der Mark, who's had a few good results recently. They're only five points apart, but 249 to 244, 229 Leon Haslam and the top six made up by Top Rack uh, on 223. The two Kawasaki riders vying for that position. Chaz Davis. Ducati in 7th, Tom Sykes 8th, Marco Melandri 9th, top 10 uh, for Sandro Cortese uh, on the Yamaha. I'm, uh, I'm, already, and... I'm already licking my lips for, for next year uh, uh, with, with the, the arrival of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of Scott Redding on the, on, on the Ducati. I think that, that just, that's gonna, could be magnificent. So let's move on. Uh, next next round will of course uh, be at uh, France. Spain. Oh, France! Uh, no, France, twenty seventh to 29th uh, of September. So that is the next Manicor. round. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, sorry, yes. I should say that Manicor, not Le Mans, um, for World Superbikes. Yeah. Uh, team, where would you like to go next? Uh, very yeah, quickly, uh, Declan has a point on MotoGP. I did. KTM haven't filled that vacancy. We we, we we can strike off of the giant list of candidates. We can strike off, uh, as we just said, Alvaro Batista. It looks like we can strike off uh, a man who arguably deserves it, and that would be Alex Marquez, because uh, unless things change radically, it would seem he is going to suffer from being so close to his brother. It would seem that Honda don't want... Uh, or. Oh, beg your pardon. Uh, he can't get a Honda ride. Sorry, I'm going I'm I'm to have to rephrase this so I, I don't, don't come across as insane or unfair. Uh, he, basically, his relationship with uh, his brother at Honda uh, is such that, for example, Yamaha have said they want him nowhere near any of their bikes. Uh, and nice. I would suggest that that is arguably the same at KTM that even though he is going to win the Moto2 there is a a, a mistrust of or a, maybe arguably a mischaracterization of how close their relationship is in that respect but you can't blame OEMs for thinking well you know what is he going to say to him you know over dinner of a Sunday about <laughs> about, about the uh, uh, you know whatever testing that KTM have just been doing or Yamaha have just been doing so mm. so it, he could lose out on all good rides he may end up in superbikes because uh, of that relationship he's going to stay unless next he ends year up with Honda with his brother it, well yeah or on, on, and the one place he could end up yeah you're right the one place he could end up would be with Cal Crutchlow uh, starting yeah. to hint about retirement due to 
due, due to uh, accumulation of, of, of injuries. He could end up on the LCR Honda, which would make a lot of sense. All right. Uh, we've got a NASCAR next. Uh, just a quick point from Matthew Hindman. Ray the Fireblade might not have won a World Superbike race since... It hasn't won a Superbike race since 27. He used to own the Isle of Man TT until around 13 or 14. Now it struggles to get anywhere near the podium. So absolutely agree. NASCAR. I want to talk about the drivers who are currently 18th, 19th and 22nd in the championship. Well, you'd better, you'd better remind me of who they are. 18th, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Yes, didn't make oh, the yes. chase. First not... time, the first time he has not made the chase in the chase era, which now staggeringly goes basically as long as we've been doing this. So it goes back to, uh, I'm going to say 2004, if I'm, is that right? The chase goes back to 2004. We go back a little bit earlier than that. But yes. not a lot. Yeah, yeah, but we, but, but, but what he's saying is the chase is, we've always been on when the chase has been on. We're, we're, so old, we're yes, only just older than the oh. chase. Right. Uh, 19th is Paul Menard. He's retiring at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm not sure you can be retired. Uh, gentlemen drivers can't retire. This is, uh, this is like me retiring from golf. <laughs> I pay to play Have golf. Have you retired from golf? I pay to go to the cinema. I'm not retiring from going to the cinema anytime soon. I'm not retiring from golf. I'm going to continue to pay to play golf until I'd probably drop dead. Uh, <laughs> but if you did stop paying, if you did stop paying and therefore didn't play golf anymore, would that be retiring from golf or would that just be not spending your money that way? That would be being, uh, well, I, yeah, I'd be spending it somewhere else. I'd be going to bingo right. or, uh, or, uh, so no, uh, Paul Menard is, is stopping spending money on, on his hobby. Uh, I know that's brutally cruel, but sorry, but he's a pay driver. He's stopping doing his hobby. And next year, okay. the Wood Brothers will have the driver who is currently 22nd in that car. That's Matt De Benedetto. Yeah, so Matt De Benedetto gets a paying ride, which he probably deserves, or he definitely deserves. He's, uh, he's, put, deserve, in, yeah. he's put in all of the, the hours and the effort that uh, one uh, deserves. Uh, he will be in a part-time team, don't forget, because the Wood Brothers haven't run a full-time schedule in forever. In fact, I, I might... I've got this wrong, but even when they when they had David Pearson, in fact, I know when they had David Pearson, who is arguably my well, he is my favourite stocker racer of all time. They never ran a full time schedule, uh, so he will be with the Wood Brothers, which is good because obviously he gets him into all of the big races, and he'll he'll have he he gets a paying gig, and and that's good, and keeps him in the paddock. So and he and he deserves it, which is great. One one thing from me, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Recently retired nutcase from the LA Raiders and uh, the Seattle Seahawks. He'll be driving the pace car uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway next week. Uh, I'd just like to think he'll take a slightly different attitude than the time when he was at uh, university uh, at Cal when he robbed the medical cart and drove it around the field during a game. So uh, he, he does have previous. So uh, just that's probably something to keep, keep your eye on. Nobody, nobody with the uh, nobody with the name Dylan got into the uh, playoffs either. I noticed, and I believe David Reagan's retiring as well. Is he? Yeah, apparently. And the question will be: Will anybody notice? And we better do the game show very quickly because I have to go. I know I'm I'm on tight tight for time. Sorry, I've preempted your game show, Tim. So carry on.
It's play your cards right. Uh, very good. Uh, you talked about this the other week, didn't you? I, I promised this last week. It's now happening. We've got the mechanics sorted out. Uh, nice to see you. To see you, nice. Uh, so much better. I was than trying last to think week. something with a, with a. Uh, I was thinking about something with a cart in it. But anyway, moving on. Uh, we have two contestants tonight. Uh, contestant number one is yeah. John. Good evening, John. Good evening, Tim. And contestant number two is Declan. Good evening, Tim. Uh, if you're not familiar with Play Your Cards Right, or as the Americans call it, Card Sharks, then this is going to be extremely surreal. Uh, who would like to go first? I'll let Dex go first. Oh, the Declan, you you're get the first question. All right, far away. The father of former world karting champion Lake Speed is a former mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. In what year was he elected? The father of Lake Speed. Yes. Was the Jackson mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. Oh my goodness, Lake Speed's super old. So he was father was. I'd say he was elected in. Can I get a range or okay? I'm going to say 1958. 1958. John, do you think it's going to be higher or lower? Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be higher. Higher. You're wrong. It was 1948. <sighs> so Declan, uh, we go Which to was your the was born. Was uh, born. Was born. Yes. Definitely. Get in! We go to your pack of cards. Turn over the first All card. Right. It's an eight. Do you want to keep that or do you want to change it for another card? I want to change that, please. You want to change that and you get a three. Higher or lower than a three? Ooh. Higher than a three. Higher than a three. It's a two. No! You're dying! <laughs> this is radio <laughs> trickery. Oh, okay. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> John, your your turn to have this quest. The next question. Uh huh. The nineteen ninety three yep. Supercar Championship was held over how many venues? Oh, UK Supercar. No, the Martin Hines Supercar. Uh, nine. Nine. Declan, higher or lower than nine? Lower. Lower is correct. It was three. <sighs> They they went to Assen, then they went to Le Mans, and then they went to Knock Hill. Of course, all right. three classics in their own right. Uh, let's take a look at your card. It's a four. Would you like to keep the four or change oh, it? I'll keep it. Keep the four. Higher or lower than a four? Higher. Is a queen? <laughs> lower. He's, you know he's actually got cards there, don't you? I know, you know that he has know, got cards there. It's a five. Oh, higher, this is good. higher than it's another queen. Oh, get in! Uh, lower. It's a king. No. And a king. <laughs> <laughs> so Fall still, to the last hurdle. Still, nobody's got any points. Something biscuits. Okay. <laughs> Declan, your <laughs> turn to go first. Right. Uh, how many Frenchmen have won the CIK FIA Junior World Championship or its predecessor, the Junior World Cup? None. None. Higher or lower, John? Higher. Higher. (laughs) Oddly, because I don't think minus one Frenchmen have ever won anything. You you didn't think that one through, Dex, did you? In the excitement of the game. I knew. I know. I genuinely believe none have. So therefore, if you take higher, it doesn't matter because if I'm right, I'm right. 
There were so, five of them, the first one oh. being Alan Prost. Uh, oh. So, John, let's take a look at your first yeah. card. And yeah. it's King. Would you like to keep the King? Are you shuffling, you like the, to... are you sh- are you shuffling the pack between these? Because no. I'm counting the cards as we go along. Not at all. Right, uh, I'll go lower then, please. Lower than the King is a four. Higher is a Queen. Lower. It's another queen. You get nothing for a pair, John. Not in this <laughs> game. Nothing in this game for two in a bed. Salty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Someone's got to win this. James Courtney won the Formula A World Championship in 1997. This is yours, John, I think. All right. Uh, James Courtney won the Formula A World Championship in 1997. How many seasons did that championship run? Four. Four. Declan, higher or lower than four? Lower. Lower is wrong. Ran for 13 years. Oh, blimey. Uh, so, John, your card is a jack. Do you want to change that, or are you happy to keep the jack? I'll keep the jack and go lower. Lower than a jack is a three. Higher than a three. Is a nine. Ooh. Middle card. Mm, hateful, hateful, but we've had a lot of pictures. I'm going to go lower. Lower than a nine, it's a four. Ooh, Higher. bold strategy. Higher for the win. It's a two. No! no! Two of hearts. <laughs> I can't believe this is still going. This is We're going to run epic. out of questions before we get any further. Uh, right, uh, Declan, your turn to go first on this one. Bernd Schneider is the only German to win a world karting title in any formula. In what year? Mm. Working backwards, uh, 80, he was the 87 German Formula 3 champion. Uh, I'm going to uh, 84. Higher or lower than 84, John? I think it is... I've got no clue. Uh, lower. Lower is correct. It was 1980. Oh, wow. I've got no, I've got no clue. Uh, your card is a nine. Would you like to keep the nine or change it? I want to keep the nine and go lower. It's a queen. Can I jump in there or to finish off? or, or I've forgotten how this works. I didn't work out what would happen Can if we nobody won. A... Uh, we'll call this a tie. I'll tell you what. And, uh, what, what happens is we say thanks to Declan because I know he had to go five minutes ago. It's a tie, um, which is uh, means we'll come back and do it again next week. I can stay for one more. I've got no more questions. No, we can't. Oh, we, that's we, unbelievable. And, and we can't anyway because we've got to get to Curry and British Superbikes. So... Declan, thank you very much for being with us. You're listening to no Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 35. We'll do another round of Play Your Cards Right. Actually, not next week because we've got a special show next week, an IMSA Porsche special next week instead of our regular uh, 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 Midweek Motorsport. Can't tell you any more about it at the moment, but suffice to say that um, it's going to be worth listening to. Uh, Tim, we've got a bit of British Superbikes to finish off with tonight. The end of the regular season of the British Superbike Championship took place at Alton Park at the weekend, and our British Superbike correspondent, Kerry Cobb, uh, joins me on the line now. Uh, good evening, Kerry. Hiya, Tim. Uh, we were talking earlier on in uh, when we were talking about our uh, Monza 
action about uh, bad boys. And we had a bad boy at Alton Park as well, didn't we? We had a couple of very naughty boys at Alton Park, um, but the main one for the weekend and dashed his absolute brilliant chance of getting a showdown place was that little Andrew Irwin. Naughty boy. Uh, so what did he do and why was it so bad? Well, what happened was um, we came into Alton Park um, with Andrew Irwin uh, with a great chance of making the showdown, the top six um, that would go through to the showdown. It's a triple header weekend at Alton Park, so three races. Um, and in race one, he crashed out. There was a lot of safety cars, a lot of yellow flags over the weekend, and he wasn't the only one, um, but he crashed out. And then he did something really, really stupid. He got back on his bike and carried on round the track. Now, that is an absolute no-no. The rules are quite clear. Once you've crashed out, you cannot get back on your bike and go round. And, of course, that's what he did. And the sad thing is it, it ruined his chances because, um, it was a, as I say, definite no-no. It was a, an instant, instant um penalisation from the team they gave him a three point penalty and banned him from the second race or the first race on Superbike Sunday uh, which meant that he had little chance then of qualifying for the showdown I don't know what was going through his head he he knows the rules um, he even had a couple of marshals come up to him and they could see that he was kind of ready to get back on his bike and they, they quite clearly told him mate what are you doing and he did it so it was kind of like the red mist descended and his all his thoughts of, of being in that showdown were just shadowing everything else. And, yeah, he, he paid the price. Honda Racing did um, appeal the penalty. Um, and when we all arrived at, at the track on Sunday morning, they, that was going to appeal at 10 o'clock in the morning. But they lost the appeal and he had to sit out race two, which meant he missed, missed his showdown place. Uh, so we do now know who the six drivers who go into the showdown are. Uh, let's uh, talk, talk about them. Uh, and uh, number six, it starts at the bottom, number six, perennially <laughs> number six. It's like a yeah. tradition that every year yeah. number six will be Peter Hickman. It's it's <laughs> it's almost you could write you could put your mortgage on it, couldn't you? He is just consistently there, never quite like making the top. Obviously, we know how fabulous he is around the Isle of Man TT and you know, world uh, road racer, and but just consistently puts himself into that top six year after year and and just scrapes through. But you know, again, if it if it hadn't been for Andrew Irwin, would Hickey have made the cut this year? It was really tight, um, but he just did enough. He crashed out of race one, um, and then and then made enough points in race two and three to uh, make the cut. Uh, who do we have in fifth place? Boom, boom, Bucken, Danny Bucken again, having a really good season, but just literally just putting himself in there, just getting as 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 close as he can without making headlines but yeah he's done very well for fs3 racing kawasaki and it's the only kawasaki in those to- in that top six uh there's only one only one yamaha in the top six as well that's the one in uh fourth place taz mckenzie uh yeah and also been confirmed that he's going to be staying with that team next season yeah, he just signed another year deal with McCam's Yamaha for 2020 um, on the R1 with Jason O'Halloran. The, o- the O-Show is confirmed as well. So we know the McCam's Yamaha team for um, for 2020. But Taz, Taz is a brilliant rider and he had a really good weekend. And I'm just so pleased that he, he got in. You know, only, only eights in race one. It was still a bit touch and go. But yeah, he, he did really well. 
And as I say, Tim, there were so many people going off here, there and everywhere that um, it just it, it was fortune favours the brave at Alton Park this weekend. Uh, top three, uh, yeah. the, so half of the field in the uh, showdown, all on Ducatis. It's been the dominant bike this season. Uh, Tommy Bridewell in third place on the Oxford Racing Ducati. Uh, and yeah. then the two BYZ Ducatis, first and second for Josh Brooks and Scott Redding. Now, all all on those fabulous Panigale, Ducati Panigale bikes. Tommy Bridewell was so fired up coming into Alton Park. I spoke to him after the qualifying, um, Data Tag Extreme qualifying on the Saturday. And uh, if you get a chance, do try and Google that on uh, YouTube or Twitter at Official BSB because you could tell he wanted it so badly. And he was like... I'm fed up of being Mr. Nice Guy this season. He changed his whole kind of outlook and his way of doing things. And he said, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going back to being a bad boy. And uh, he did he did swear rather rather a lot, <laughs> which is which is uh, anyone that knows Tommy, you know, that's, that's par for the course. But he was so fired up and I'm so pleased for him. The first win for Oxford Racing Ducati. What a great team they are. And um, yeah, they go into the showdown. Uh, as for the others, Brooks and Redding, um, you know, they've been top of the game all season long. Everyone was saying about Scott Redding coming from MotoGP into BSB. Would he be able to do it? He hardly knows the circuits. He'd already been to Alton Park back in May. And I spoke to him at the end of the press conference um, on Saturday. And he was saying, you know, he's been here. He, he knows the track now. He, it, all that kind of early adrenaline has worn off. And now he's just got to get his head down and get on the podium. And he had another great weekend third in race one he won race two which in my humble opinion was the best race of the weekend and uh, came third in race three more than enough points and you know he'd already qualified so that was fine but just shows that he's made that transition so brilliantly and josh josh my money is on josh now they're teammates brooks and redding but they don't get on very well tim and um, they are proper alpha males and they were like yeah, we're teammates, but we are racing all the way. And I don't know if you saw race two. Absolutely brilliant how Brooks beat Bridewell on the last lap, at literally the last corner of the race, put the hammer down. Um, so Brooks won race one. He came second in race two. Um, he didn't finish. Uh, he didn't come in the top three in race three, but he is top of the class and my money's on him. With the uh, reformatted points, because obviously the, the top six now get 500 points plus uh, various points for wins and podium <laughs> finishes over the season, Brooks and Reading now only have three points between them. Is that all it is? I thought there was more than that. No, 5-4-8 for Brooks, 5-4-5 five, five for Reading. Yeah, it's close. It's really close, isn't it? But I just still think... Brooks has got the edge, but I might be wrong. They are so neck and neck. And as I say, no love lost between them. They both want to win. Uh, where's the uh, BSB heading next? We're off to Assen next, uh, the weekend of the 20th to the 22nd of September. How very Assen. British. I know, it's hilarious, isn't it? We've all got to have a little getaway one. Um, and then we'll be at Donington at the beginning of October and then the final round. So just three rounds to go now, the final round at Brands Hatch in the middle of October. And now in the support races, we've crowned our first champion of the season as well, haven't we? Yes, we did. Kyle Ride in the Dickies British Supersport GP2. There's two races um, that race together, the British Supersport race and the, uh, incorporates the GP2 
be the British GP2 Cup. Carl Rudd ran away with it all season, as has Jack Kennedy in the super sports, really. Um, but actually, it was Jack Kennedy's teammate, Brad Jones, that got his first win this weekend at Alton Park. And I've never seen someone so happy, <laughs> so pleased. It did take Jack Kennedy, Kennedy crashing out for him to win it, though, I have to say. But fair play to them. They're teammates and they're great fun. Uh, and again, they're first and second in the championship, 37 points between them. But uh, Kennedy likely to win that with just six races left. I would think so, yeah. I mean, he's been dominant all season and just had a little bit of bad luck at Alton Park this weekend. But uh, the Integro Yamaha team, great team, great spirit. And um, Kennedy was thrilled for Brad Jones to win that. He'd get his first win. It was lovely. Kennedy's won 14 out of 18 races this season uh, and of the four that he hasn't won he's failed to finish three of them so that just shows you what sort of rider he is if he can stay on the bike he's going to win he is absolutely sublime I'm kind of tired of seeing him in the press conferences all the time it's like if he's not there it's like where is he but um, I'm, apparently I'm going on the back of his bike at Brands Hatch so I'm looking forward to that I think my odds are good of staying on take a microphone with you yeah, I will do. <laughs> uh, Kerry Cobb uh, with our Superbike Roundup. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Kerry. And that's all we have time for, other than to remind you that we have live coverage from the WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca of the penultimate round of most of the IMSA Championships this uh, coming weekend, Friday through to Sunday. Remember, we're at eight hours back from the UK, so check the broadcast schedule at radiolamont.com or on RS2. We will crown a champion in the GTD Sprint Cup, though. And for those of you in the States, uh, the big race on Sunday is live on NBC. We've got it every session uh, live across the weekend from the uh, WeatherTech Championship uh, pilot race. We've got that live for you and some Lambo racing as well this weekend. It's Jeremy Shaw and Shea Adam joining me, John Hindoff, uh, for that. Nick Damon and uh, Declan Brennan, along with Kerry Cobb, were with us tonight. Tim Gray was our executive producer. The responsible adult was Eve Hewitt, and she was everywhere. I'm John Hindoff in California, and the llama is off to the Baja Cantina. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.